And welcome into another episode of the Media Boat Podcast, your weekly episodes of One Talk Top Talk of movies, TV, music, and video games. Not necessarily in that order. My name is Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Talk Talk Top Top. No, my name is Matt. His name is Mike. Uh, thank you for joining us. This is Media Boat Podcast for January the 21st, 2023. This is episode 367. Thank you for joining us for this speedy episode of Media Boat Podcast. Speedy. Let's get rolling right oh, into it. We have a lot to talk about. Oh, we're going to hit two hours easily on this podcast. We have a lot of thoughts. We'll see. Let's start as we always start. Yes, with the music section. And we start the music section with the billboard. And we start the billboard with the Hot 100. Yes. And at number one is Antihero by Taylor Swift. Still continues to be Taylor's longest running number one single. Just running, running, yep. rolling. Yeah. You know, maybe she is the problem. <laughs> at number two is Kill Bill by SZA. Back at number two. At three, Unholy by Sam Smith and Kim Petras. Down to number three this week. Coming in at four, I'm Good, Blue, by David Guetta and B.B. Rexa. Staying in the same spot. And creeping its way in number five, <laughs> Creepin' by Metro Boomin, The Weeknd, and 21 Savage. Back in the top five. Yep. So there you go. As for your Billboard 200, It's your the same! Album chart, it is. Nothing, Nothing changed from last week. Yeah, which means SOS by SZA is still your number one album. Yep. Midnight by Taylor Swift is at number two. At number three, Heroes and Villains by Metro Boomin. Mm-hmm. At four, Her Loss by mm-hmm. Drake and 21 Savage. And rounding up that top five, Umbrano Sinti by Bad Bunny. Okay. But if you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. Okay. Starting with One Day by Fucked Up. Yep, fucked up. Yep, just one day. Yeah. Uh, we also have <laughs> Small Town Stardust by King Tough. <laughs> Furling by Meg Baird. Gloria by Sam Smith. Hey. That's Sam Smith. Yeah, that's Sam Smith. Yep. Audio Lust and Higher Love by S.G. Lewis. Electrophonic Chronic <laughs> by The Arcs. And Asking for a Ride by... White Reaper. So, Sam Smith, (laughs) big release? Yeah, I guess that's your big release this week. We probably won't be checking that out. I I don't know. If if you want to, I guess. I don't know. We'll get the thoughts about what I actually checked out this week. (laughs) But in the meantime, we start the news with... A unicorn. A strange-ass story that I just thought was too funny to skip. Yeah, it's so funny because it borders on both parody and lawsuits. (laughs) Uh, So... Boopsie Slime Surprise. <laughs> yes, that is a brand of slime pooping unicorn. Yeah. That currently retails for about $100 to $300. It's an expensive-ass pooping unicorn. Yes. Well, in, that's because in addition to the pooping slime, <laughs> the toy also dances to a song called My Poops. My Poops. My, my Lovely, Lovely Poops. Yes, something like that. Whenever its heart-shaped belly button is pressed. Same. It, it does happen from time to time. The manufacturer, MGA Entertainment, uh-huh. has also produced an animated video in which the unicorn dances to the song. However. But BMG's lawyers alleges that My Poops infringes on Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> this is not a surprise hit. Uh, <laughs> their 2005 hit single. 
my humps. <laughs> 75% of whose publishing rights belongs to BMG, you know, thanks to a corporate acquisition. Yeah. The suit claims and a re- review of each song's genius annotation <laughs> confirms yeah. that the two compositions bear a strong <laughs> resemblance. It's a ripoff, is basically what. Well, yeah, it's a parody ripoff. Yeah. Quote, first... The title of the infringing work is My Poops, which is an obvious play on the name of the copyright <laughs> composition, My Humps, uh, close quote, wrote BMG's lawyer, Seth L. Berman of Abraham Feinstein, LLP. That's Abrams Finsterman, LLP. Yeah, Abramson Feinstein. So here's the question. You kind of brought this up. Does this fall under Perry? Yes, it does. And if it does, technically they don't have a case, right? Yeah. So it really depends. I imagine they settle here, so that way this doesn't go any farther. I bet just like MGA just like hands over some money and just says like, let's just forget this happened, so we can continue marketing our stupid unicorn. <laughs> because I don't. Think, it's just. I thought this was just such a funny story because like. The black-eyed peas are probably over here being like, what's that unicorn saying? They're like, why are we trending with the unicorn? Yeah, why are we trending? Fergie's <laughs> yeah. probably somewhere taking a hot like hot tub, like in a hot tub, being like, what? What? Why am I on Twitter? <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It's just one of those weird stories. But yeah, you're probably right. They'll figure out this is under parody law and mm-hmm. and it'll probably go away, but <laughs> it's just silly. Well see, to prove it's under parody, you you have parody, to parody. <laughs> yes, versus paradise, 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 funny. Uh, you have to prove that it is indeed a joke, and it is yeah. funny when a toy unicorn yeah. dances to a song called "My Poops" and thus poops. I, I think, think it's rainbow poops, right? I think this conversation <laughs> is proof enough. They should just replay this podcast in court and just be like, "See, it's funny," and then that will get us more viewers. Yes, yeah, see, it's, it's a perfect crime. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, my poops. My poops. My lovely... <laughs> lovely unicorn, uni- unicorn poops. Unicorns. I actually don't know how it goes. I haven't watched the video, but maybe I should. I know. It's a $300 video, apparently. <laughs> no. Thankfully not. Anyway, so let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to some actual music news involving right. an actual artist that's currently putting out music. Correct. Miley Cyrus. Yes. So if anyone's actually looking for statistical proof that Miley Cyrus put out a new song, yeah. Flowers... Um, is the name of the song? Uh-huh. Well, it's a certified smash hit because you can look at Spotify's announcement that the song "Flowers" has <laughs> broken the record for the most streams in a single week. Spotify announced on Friday morning that, as of Thursday, "Flowers" had become the most streamed song in a seven-day period in Spotify history. This is weird because I have not heard this song at all. Well, that's okay, because as of Friday morning, the latest update for Cyrus's Flowers streams on the site show that it had racked up 101 million streams since coming out late in the day on January 12th. On Thursday, it reached 100 million point faster than any other song ever, uh, ever to date on Spotify. Damn. Quote, It's been incredible watching Flowers Break the record for most streams in a single week, said Jana Coffey, Spotify's artist and label partnership lead in a statement to Variety. <laughs> the song was already off to an amazing start after its first date and it's only grown from there. 
Rather than seeing massive streams on day one that decline throughout the week, each day since release has been bigger than the one before. Miley is back, <laughs> and with her album, Endless Summer Vacation, coming out in a few months, this is just the beginning. So yes, a little slow music week this week. The big story was, again, a death, so I really couldn't grab yes. a whole lot. But uh, yeah, I just thought this was interesting for a song that I've never actually heard <laughs> that apparently is blowing up. It's okay. Uh, if Spotify is to be counted and trusted, <laughs> I guess that means that we can see it on the Hot 100 next week. Yeah, I would imagine it probably charts pretty high, thanks to streaming numbers. Uh, yeah, Miley's back. I don't know. She kept... Her career has been interesting because I feel like she pops up every couple of years and then like disappears for the next two. Mm-hmm. And you just have to like follow these. Also, she's like in a different genre every time. Well, this is why she <laughs> did. She does the uh, Miley's New Year's just to remind you every year. It still exists. She's still there. I'm still and around. She's still party. Dolly Parton is still my godmother. Yes. It's like just routine reminders. Yep. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, that's a, that's a story. That's. I mean, hey, it also means that Miley Cyrus is going to put a new album later this year. Yes, that's true. So I guess we can look forward to Endless Summer Vacation. Yeah, uh, sure. Let's go with that. Let's move on. Someone will be listening to it. You listen to something, speaking of listening. Yes, I listen to something else. Yes. Uh, So I was looking up on new releases and trying to find something to listen to because, you know, I haven't really done a new music release in a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, while I was looking through, I just came across some of, like, the traditional names, and I just had this thought to myself, you know, we always try and listen to, like, the big artists put out the newest album. Well, except for you. You always listen to (laughs) random stuff. (laughs) Wasn't this a bullshit, but yeah. I don't know if it's bullshit, (laughs) but it's definitely the offbeat stuff. (laughs) The, um, off-counter. The the counter-offer? Counter offer. Off counter counter offer. <laughs> Put those two words in however Something you want. Something like that. But anyway, so you went, uh, did, you did some digging, is what you're saying. Uh, I did some digging. No, no, I didn't really do that much digging. I just found um, the artist, this artist, well, this band that's putting out their debut album okay. on uh, Apple Music. Okay. The Heavy Hours. All right. With the album The Heavy Hours. I have not heard about this. I don't know who these people are. I didn't either. Okay. But I listened to them. All right. And. Uh, it's alternative music. It's alternative rock. Okay. I wasn't expecting it. I was just, okay, let's see what we got here. Turn it on. Uh, it's definitely, I'll turn it off. It definitely got very good vibes of like the Lumineers. Okay. So that kind it. of thing. And also the Black Keys. Sure. Okay. So it's definitely like the new wave of alternative rock. Um, a lot of it is very heartfelt and hard hitting messaging, um, especially in all of its lyrics. Okay. Um, none of it is like, Hard rock, hard pop, like your, like your, um, oh, why, why can't I think of Imagine Dragons? Because you just did. Oh, there we go. Yes. Because <laughs> I cannot imagine the dragons. You can't imagine those dragons. No. So it's not like Imagine Dragons, it's not Food Fighters. It's definitely like that alternative pop, like, like I said, much the same way of like the Illumineers, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Death Cab for Cutie at a time. Sure. Okay. Uh, so it's actually pretty good. I really like all their lyrics. Right. It's only their second album. Um, they're, they're based I on Cincinnati. I should say it was their debut. Well, they put on an EP. This is their LP. <laughs> okay, there you go. The EP is also on Spotify, but it's also like six songs. This is their LP, which is uh, yeah. 10 songs, full 40-minute album. Yeah. It's actually pretty good. I actually yeah. liked it. Cool. It actually um, went back to the top after I started it. Wow. Yeah, it's... Um, the lyrics are just like very hard-hitting. They're just um, very... Um, Emotional. Uh, some of it is a bit of like the heartbreak stuff. 
Uh, but all of it is like family, dealing with family, family loss. Um, this album was made post COVID, so I think a lot of it had, had to do with it. A lot of like what I wish mm-hmm. I said. Why didn't you listen to me? Mm-hmm. I'm my mm-hmm. own person now. Mm-hmm. So if you're into um, the alternate, the alt rock scene, check out the Heavy Hours. Okay. Um, I mean, it's a surprise band. I was surprised by listening to it. Yes, <laughs> but you know, it's there. If you like, I say, if you like, especially if you like the Lumineers and that kind of soft rock song, right, sound, right, 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 soft rock alternative sound. Yeah, that's exactly what the vibe that they're going for. Okay, well there you go. Brand new band. Uh, hopefully we break them. No. <laughs> like, you heard it here. The Evo Podcast. Yes. Well, I heard it there, and then you heard it here. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yes. Anyway, well, cool. Um, I guess I should note a couple things that I listened to. Well, one's not really out, but um, I should mention it because it was news this week. Uh, but yeah, uh, first of all, I finally listened to that Marco Price record. It's all right. I had an okay time with it. I don't think I'm going to do a write-up for it. I didn't like it that much, but uh, and I probably don't have much to say about it. But it's still very much in the alt-country vein. Um, she's, like, hard to describe. But, yeah, like, a lot of it's a kind of a good vibe, like, a good, like, good uh, uh, alt-country kind of stuff. Then there's there's a couple songs that go into ballad territory, and she talks about some heavy, heavy issues where I was like, oh, this is kind of surprising. A little change up the vibe here uh, towards the end of the record. But uh, overall, I'm still not sure how I feel about Margot Price. I don't love her style, I am not 100% on board, uh, but uh, people who do like her approach, I think we'll have a good time with this record. It's a little bit more straightforward, I think, than the last couple. Um, and yeah, it's out there. But yeah, I'm not, I wasn't huge on it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was just thought, I was like, yeah, this is fine. And then uh, the la- other thing that I said, like I said, it's not out yet, but um, the Phoebe Bridgers, Lucy Dacus, and Julian Baker supergroup Boy Genius uh, announced, which we mentioned last week, we're going mm-hmm. to Coachella did indeed announce a new record called The Record uh, that's due out in March, on March 31st. So are all three of them on the record? Yes, they are on the record. Um, So yeah, they will be putting that out in March, and uh, they each, uh, they released three songs off the record uh, as kind of like a a preview, and so I listened to that. Still great. They're they're awesome. I can't wait to hear more from them, and yeah, we'll be probably... Uh, fast forward to March, and I'll probably talk more about it when it comes out. Yep, so that album comes out in March, yes. the month before they hit Coachella. Right before Coachella. So yeah, perfect timing for them. So yeah, that's exciting. Also, Rolling Stone did a cover story about them and an interview. Uh, so if you want to learn more about the three of them, uh, you can check that cover story out. They uh, did it in the style of the Nirvana cover from 1994. Ooh. So it's the three of them in the same photo shoot wearing similar costumes as the 94 photo Rolling Stone shoot for Nirvana. It's fun. You should look at Well, up. you know, that's only 30 years old. Yeah, I know. Only <laughs> almost 30 years old. Well, yeah, so it's, it's cute. And, of course, Phoebe Bridgers is the Kurt Cobain. Let's move on. Uh, so that's all I listened to. So, yeah, we can. I think we can move on. Yeah, so let's go right into Ooh. video games. And we start with new releases. Yes. Two. Two bangers. Big, yeah, two big releases this week. All right. Uh, first up is Dead Space. Yes, the remake. Yes. For PS5, Xbox Series X, and PC. Uh-huh. And then the other. The other one has not been released to critics yet. Right. Hmm. Uh, sorry. Uh, sorry, this one is Forspoken. Yes. Uh, for the PS5 and PC. We talked about the demo for this. Uh, this yes. is the Square Enix Isekai. <laughs> Parkour in a fantasy world. Yeah, so. Magic and attack. Let me ask you your opinion here. Should I... 
uh, pull the trigger on the Gamefly subscription now and uh, try out one of these. Should we uh, actually, co- based on asking a coverage meeting here, should we cover this these games? Because uh, I yeah. don't know if we should, because I don't know. They're kind of in the middle. They're not the hugest releases, but they are relatively big. So I'm like, I just don't know if I'm actually going to enjoy it. I played a little bit of the original Dead Space, and I remember enjoying it at the time. It's a strong third-person shooter with some cool, like, Metroidvania-like like elements to it. If it's anything like the original, which I imagine it will be, since it's a pretty uh, close remake, um, I might have a good time with Dead Space. However, Forspoken, I've heard some mixed things about, specifically with reactions to the demo. be kind of kind of mixed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sure as I... That sounds like more of a you game than it's a me game. more of a me game. I was definitely <laughs> like high on it when the first premiered. Right. But since playing the demo and reading like other people's thoughts on it, it's, my high point has gone way down. So yeah, now so. I'm wondering like if I... Because if I pull the trigger now, then I, unfortunately my six months will be ending uh, in like the last week of July. Yeah. So that puts me out of that six months range for the fall season unless i start paying for it myself which i could i don't know it's or you can donate it to our patreon hey yeah i I actually don't know if that still exists (laughs) somewhere it still exists (laughs) anyways so yeah um i don't know i'll have to think about it because i don't know really if i am that badly if i'm that interested in dead space right i mean i'm Hmm. Hmm. Well, I'll think about it off camera. We'll think about it off camera. We'll see. In the meantime... Yes. We have some gaming news. We do. Well, we have some sad news. Yeah, well, this was a rough week uh, for people who work for tech companies. It was a rough, like, three days. Specifically, yeah. Yeah, as three of the biggest tech companies Mm -hmm. had massive layoffs. So, Microsoft, Google, and you said Amazon? Amazon. Um, All three had mass layoffs this week. Um, All three companies citing, um, basically forecasting a um, less fruitful season than I guess they anticipated, and thus having to cut costs. Um, Yeah, and in fact, it wasn't just tech companies. We also see this hit um, internet corporations as well. Mm -hmm. We saw uh, Fandom, the owners of GameSpot and Giant Bomb, also have to do layoffs for editorial staff. Uh, we saw a couple people leave Giant Bomb. We had a few art people from Games, GameSpot uh, leave. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was just a rough, rough week for people in and around the tech sector. Uh, but Microsoft, uh, specifically Phil Spencer, Xbox's head of gaming, had some things to say about it. Yeah, because he addressed this week's round of job cuts at the company, telling staff that they were painful choices. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday, Microsoft confirmed plans to lay off approximately 4.5% of the U.S. technologies giant, uh, technology giants, 220,000 person workforce, which translates to about 10,000 people. Eventually, this was confirmed to have affected the company's gaming divisions, Mm -hmm. in particular, Halo developer 343 Industries, Bethesda Game Studios, and marketing. Mm Mm-hmm. On Friday, Phil Spencer sent out a company-wide email obtained and published by Kotaku in which he told employees the cuts would set it up for long-term success. Quote, This has been a difficult week across Microsoft and here inside our teams. Now that many of the the one-on-one and team conversations have happened, I want to take a moment to 
reiterate the message that you heard from your leaders. This is a challenging moment in our business, and this week's actions were painful choices. The gaming leadership team had to make decisions that we felt set us up for the long-term success of our pockets, I mean products, (laughs) and business. But the individual results of those decisions are real. I know that hurts. Thank you for supporting our colleagues as they process these changes. Uh, so, a few things about the story. First of all, this was only half of Phil Spencer showing his ass this week. Yep. The other half of this story and the other half of the statement was basically Phil Spencer saying, oh, well, we understand that making games in this current climate of cancellation and whatever else he said uh like is difficult so i want to like congratulate people who are still putting out games like what the hell are you talking about bill spencer he's the publisher though (laughs) (laughs) so it was it was a bad week for him uh it sure looked really bad to us um but yeah this is of course embarrassing like that they know that this is brutal and there's no there's no actual data showing that this is going to lead to uh, better games or long-term success of products. Uh, Because what the theory about this is, is that it just so happens that this announcement of the layoffs happened exactly one year after Microsoft uh, put out the statement that they were going to purchase Activision. Mm -hmm. So I imagine probably a lot of this forecasting and this rewiring the forecast has to do with Microsoft being on pins and needles about the acquisition. Before, they thought it was such a going-to-happen, like, sure thing that they probably forecasted, oh, well, we're going to make a billion dollars at the end of the year. Like, well, of course, more than that. But you know what I yes. mean. Um, like, at the end of the year, because we're going to have all these other, like, these, these IP, we're going to finalize this deal in July, which is their, still their target. Um, and so by the end of the year, it's going to be great. And now that they have to say, actually, we can't rely on that happening because the FCC is now involved. Uh, well, also the uh, European Commission as well. Right. But I wonder how much of that is that, well, we need to save money now because yeah. we're going to have to pay off people later that we're going to need out of the company. Yeah. It's, it's I mean, I understand. Okay. Don't get me wrong. I understand media boat phrase. It's a business. It's a business. But at the same time, and I've, I've had personal experience with this in the last year. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, like... People are the reason why work gets done in a company. 343 Industries is a perfect example of this. Those poor guys have been through the ringer on Halo Infinite. They've done what they can on that game, and they keep running into delays and roadblocks trying to do service to the fans of Halo. And they have it's been troubled. Development has been troubled over there for all sorts of reasons. And Microsoft's reaction to that, instead of actually helping them out, is actually we're going to fire a bunch of people or lay off a bunch of people on your team. So the thing you wanted to do with the game to get it back on track, to like get fans excited about it again and make us money, well, it's going to be even harder to do now because we're going to take resources away from you. They don't realize that, yes, money is money. I get it. Like You want to cut costs if you're trying to save money as a corporation. However, where are you cutting from? Somebody brought up yesterday a perfect example of the what you should be doing in this case. Back in the 2000s when Satoru Iwata was still president of Nintendo, 
He took cut his, his himself salary. cut his salary by forty percent in order to keep the company down because he or going because he said he he had a quote about like layoffs just hurt us layoffs just hurt the ability to make better projects, make better games in the future. So why would we shoot ourselves in the foot by laying off talented creatives when instead the people on top could take the hit? Because the CEO still need to make $30 million. So if anything, I think this is the moment where the, the Phil Spencer tipping point happens. Like, Phil Spencer is an easy guy to like. He's charming. He says a lot of the right things. In yes, interviews, he's very, actions. like, honest. Look at the actions. But you have to remember, he's still, a C- he's still a CEO and a huge company. He's still, you know, the guy that the money people are looking at and being like, yeah, how are you going to make us money, huh? He's also no Reggie fils No, he's not. Um, and so, yeah, and he's no Iwata either. And sure. So it's like, it's hard to... You have to, this is a good reminder, I think, to a lot of people who are big fans of the Xbox, uh, of the Xbox brand, is Phil Spencer's not your friend either. He's, he's basically like your boss, too. He's just like your boss, and he's going to make boss-like decisions like this, and it's going to suck. It's going to suck because he's always going to have his hands forced by the board, by the people, like the money people, like by, like people that he can't, you know, he has to answer to, and... Even though he plays a good game about being the game's buddy and your friend and, like, talking up the talking points you want to hear from somebody who makes games, eventually something like this is going to happen and he's going to be forced. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, it lousy. Uh, and, of course, our hearts go out to everybody who's lost their job this week in all of these companies. Hope you found find your footing. Hope there's jobs out there for you. It's a brutal market right now. Um, just, yeah, good luck is, I guess, what I'll say. Yeah. Um, I mean, all of this layoffs happened just after a massive hiring from all yeah, these companies right. too and for what now like yep. yeah it's it's just brutal brutal business is brutal and it's just a turnaround revolving door it always is always has been <sighs> anyways anyways let's talk about even worse news shall we well i mean this is not as bad i guess in comparison you, we had the bad ubisoft story last week this is more of um the head of ubisoft having to uh uh Answer to Cover up his ass after showing his ass. Oh, yes, because Ubisoft CEO Yves Guillemot yeah. reportedly opened a company-wide Q&A on Wednesday <laughs> by apologizing for recent comments he made, which have been poorly received by developers. In an email sent to employees last week, coinciding with the announcement of a product delay, cancellations, and reduced earnings forecast, Guillermo reportedly suggested the Onus was on workers to deliver uh, on the company's latest targets in order to reverse its fortune. <laughs> Last week, Ubisoft, as we reported, Ubisoft said it had delayed Skull and Bones to the next fiscal year, which begins in April and runs through March 2024. Mm-hmm. During this period, it's also planning to release Assassin's Creed Mirage, Avatar, Colon Frontiers of Pandora, and other yet-to-be-announced premium games, including a large one, as well as a promising free-to-play titles of some of the biggest brands. In his email to staff, which was, again, viewed by Kotaku, uh, Guillermo wrote, quote, The ball is in your court to deliver this lineup on time and at the expected level of quality and show everyone what we are capable of achieving. So this is a classic tactic of bosses like this. Instead of being like, 
oh, like you guys, like, like, sorry, like, w- like leadership management did not like, you know, like figure out a plan for this correctly. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're like, oh, well, you guys weren't working hard enough. Sorry, you just guys need to work even harder. Sorry, this is the stuff that creates crunch culture. It creates a toxic work environment is the people on top saying like, well, clearly you guys are just bad at what you're doing and you need to stay longer hours. You need to do more work when you know that these Ubisoft games, these huge open world Ubisoft games don't happen like through magic. They happen because on the blood, sweat and tears of the Mm -hmm. little labor, like the little labor that works on them. So yeah, it's embarrassing. I'm glad that he apologized. At least he did. But still, it doesn't take away from the fact that it just looks lousy at Ubisoft. So like, it's insult to injury in a way. It's like, not only are we delaying your games, not only are we basically saying like, we had to cancel a bunch of projects that I'm sure a lot of people worked hard on, but now they're like, oh yeah, and by the way, you still didn't work hard enough. (laughs) It's bullshit. These two stories are connected, is what I'm saying, is that it's all about Management not taking responsibility. And not, and, and not taking the right responsibility for, for, like, for the realities of business. It's like, realities of business are not that the workers are not working hard enough. It's never that. Because as much as people like to say the lie that, like, oh, well, if you, if you treat a worker, like, with, like, a lot of benefits and you give them higher pay, they're just going to slack off and not work. That is the least true thing in my experience that mm-hmm. I've ever heard. In my experience... Everyone I've seen in every job has like kicked ass at it, worked hard, done overtime in every. And I've been in a lot of industries. I've been in every industry, and I'm always surrounded by people who just work way harder than they need to, way above their pay range, just because they believe it's the right thing to do. That's how people naturally are. It's not like you're getting. If all of a sudden, if you give them donuts every Friday, they're gonna like decide. Oh well, I guess I don't have to work as hard. No, that's not what it is. So whenever I see this coming from, like, leadership being like, oh, well, you guys aren't working hard enough, I find it really hard to believe. Because I've never seen anybody slack off, like, like who is, like, who believes in what they're doing. And just, I don't know. Video games especially. Like, they're an industry around, like, people who are passionate about games, right? Mm-hmm. Create, you rarely hear about somebody working in video games that's like, oh, I don't really care. No, they're always about, like, I'm really excited to make this game. Like, I'm really excited to contribute to this really cool project. I like playing games. I want this to be a good game. That's how all, probably all video game developers are. So to have this kind of statement, it's just slap in the face to me. It's like, I don't know. It's excuses. It's making excuses for stuff that's caused by other factors. And it's, yeah, it's just sad. I mean, I go back to management just because management is the one who sets these deadlines they're the ones who mm. get their resources from internally yeah. and kind of inflate them just to make their managers happy and make their managers happy. Every, like we said with uh, with Bill Spencer, yeah, everybody has somebody to answer to. Mm-hmm. It's just that you have to really think about who you throw under the bus there. Yep. Because like you have to be honest and look at the people under you. And yeah, if they're doing a good job, they're doing a good job. And like, yeah, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have to make pressure them to go beyond their physical capabilities to get a project out the door. Because if that's the case, you need to rethink how that project is set up. And you're right. That's on management then to retool how, like, how, how the culture is created. Yeah, and how to use resources better and use everybody in a smarter way. 
Anyways, it's just business. Business was businessy this week. It was very businessy. So let's get out of businessy. <laughs> yes. Let's uh, go play on our phones. Yes, and I am so excited to talk. I'll be brief because this game is something we've already covered here on the podcast. But I mean, it was our game of the year, 2017. But I'm happy to report that the iPhone Apple Arcade version of Pocket Card Jockey, one of our favorite games ever, is as good as I hoped it would be. Yeah. So if you have um, Apple Arcade... As of yesterday, you can download Game Freak. Yes, that Game Freaks. Uh, Pocket Car Jockey. This time called Pocket Car Jockey Ride On. It is a remake of the 3DS game they put back, uh, put out back in 2017, I want to say. Oh, right on. 2016, 2017. Um, and it is uh, redone in 3D. The races now take place in 3D. Uh, but otherwise, it's pretty much the same game with some minor adjustments. So if you liked that DS game, uh, the 3DS game... You uh, will love this. It's basically the same thing. It's down to the solitaire gameplay, the breeding the horses, trying to get the best horses, trying to get the, the uh, all first place in all the races, the funny dialogue. It's all back, and it's all better than before, in my opinion. It looks great. It runs really well on my phone. Um, they made some minor changes. Um, and it seems like they, the game is a little more uh, lax on progression. In the first game, it felt like you had to get first place no matter what, mm-hmm. or else the game would kind of punish you. and be like, oh, if you lose three times, you're out. Yes. It seems like in this game, um, there's a target that you, can, that you just need to hit within a, certain pl- like within a certain amount of places. For example, if you get better than fifth place or if you get better than seventh place in this race. So it looks like it's a little more relaxed with progression, which okay. is good if you're not always getting the best luck with your solitaire. Um, the second thing they changed is in the game, in the past game on the 3DS, you had to rub the stylus on the power meter to like uh, get your energy. Run, 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 run. In the uh, new version and right on, it is an autofill. So Yay. it'll auto push everything out unless you turn that off in the settings. Uh-oh. So it's just up to you whether you actually care that much about the rub, but like you don't have to do it if you don't want to. In fact, I was usually rubbing all of it out. Sorry. Uh, do you, anyway, do you in the rub faster game. than the, that it So says? it didn't matter. So okay. auto is basically what, what, I, what I would have done in the 3DS game anyway. So okay. it's a wash for me. Uh, what I will say, though, is just like the 3DS game, I think it can be really intimidating for new players because it throws a lot at you at the beginning. It's, like, kind of complicated with how the game works because there's almost, like, three different games happening. There's the solitaire, there's the um, moving the horse to the comfort zone, and then at the end, there's the horse racing end game. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, there's kind of a lot to absorb when you're first learning. But the tutorials are pretty good, and I think it walks you through enough where you kind of get it by the end of it. I skipped that code, though, because I already know all that stuff. So, yeah. It's only for Apple Arcade, though. It's only on Apple Arcade, which means you have to have a relatively modern iPhone or iPad to play this. Um, Darn it. Or possibly uh, Apple TV. I believe some arcade games are playable through that. Okay. So, yeah, um, it might be an Apple TV game as well. Uh, But, yeah. It's cool, and it's just as funny and weird of a universe as I remember that game being. It's I'm going to have a lot of uh, fun with it uh, going forward. It's, it's going to be a real good go-to game. All right. Uh, yep, yep, I didn't yep. play anything new. Okay. Well, then I guess we can move on. Um, I actually did end up playing some more um, Switch Sports Oh yeah. Okay. last night. Yeah. Cool. That's people over. Played Switch Sports. Sh- Schwartz? 
Yeah. So Schwartz? Yes. It's always fun with other people. <laughs> always. All right. All so, right, let's move on. Let's move on out of video games and into... Television! We always start the television section with the sports corner, or sports wall, I guess. Uh, we start sports with LeBron James reaching another milestone in his career. 28,000 career points. This puts him below Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who sets the record with 38,387. Wait, was that right? That's what you have here. No, I'm sorry. You mean 38. So yes. he's very close to Kareem's record, is what you're yes, saying. Yes, that's what I was Got saying. Got it. Okay. Yes. Okay, well, you're 10,000 10, points off. I don't know. That's only like, what, five seasons of LeBron? <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations to LeBron. He continues to making um, a one of the greats argument for himself. He is number two on the all-time scoring list. Yeah. Um, the next milestone is Kareem. Yeah. At, uh, only Actually, right now, he's about 300 shy. Which does put him within this season. Yeah, I guess so. And so he could do it. Yep. Um, in February, I think is what they so does he, it out. Does he do it at the end of the season and then retire? Well, no, he does it in February. They're still... Season. Oh, well, that's what I'm saying. At the end of the you season? think he does it by the end of the season and then he's like, okay, cool, I'm good. Well, he wanted <laughs> to do one season with playing with his son. Oh, right. I Brony. forgot about that. You forgot about Brony? <laughs> I always forget about Brony. Yeah. Is that his name? Yeah. How did he spell that? B-R-O-N-Y. Really? Yeah, like LeBron, Brawny. Oh my god. Like the like My Little Pony fans. Yeah, Brawny. That's an unfortunate name. Anyway. That's what everyone calls him, Brawny. Brawny. Because he's tiny. Bra- tiny Brawny. Tiny LeBron. Anyways. He's a Brawny. Brawny. <laughs> uh, anyways, that was, that's always been his goal, is to be in the league long enough to play with his son. Okay. Um, because like, well, there's only been like a handful of... Father-son duos. Right. In any sport. Oh, yeah. More so in baseball, weirdly enough. Well, that's because he was on longevity of yeah, baseball. Yeah, you can play for a while. Yeah. Well, that's fun. We'll see if that happens. Yeah, so I'm sure if he'll, he will retire. Uh, but, yeah, LeBron... Regardless, it looks like he's going to retire with the scoring record. Yes. Oh, it no, seems like no matter what happens. Yeah. Which is, hey, good yeah. for good uh, This play. also puts him as the youngest person to reach 38,000 points. Wow, okay. As well as... Every other thousand milestone before him. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's move on. Uh, football. Uh, those wild card games we talked about last week happened. Yeah, they and did. Apparently, they were super entertaining. Specifically, <laughs> if you watch the Jaguars come back a third from thirty-one point deficit. Uh, yeah. They, I heard no, no. that the they, they were down thirty points yeah, and they 30. won thirty-one okay. to thirty. Regardless, yes, it seems like they they pushed through a, sec- a wild second half and really came back and shocked everyone. Uh, yes, definitely shocking. Um, for those of you who do not know that the Jaguars had both number one picks from the previous two years, <laughs> yeah. turns out turns out they draft capital off, does matter. <laughs> so, uh, looking at the playoff picture right now, uh, do you still stand by your predictions, or do you have to change them now that the Jaguars have showed? No, I have to change it because Tom Brady got eliminated. Well, yeah, I mean, that seemed likely this season was not great for the Buccaneers. Well, yes, but, you know, I was just putting my hopes and dreams out yeah. there on a wing and a prayer but and no. a one in a $50 million shot. Yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, with Brady out of the picture, now what are you thinking? Uh, I am thinking Bills now for okay. the AFC. Sure. And, you know, I th- maybe, probably Eagles. I just don't want the Cowboys to win. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like, um, 
I have questions about the Bills because the Chiefs still exist. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. The Chiefs play the Jaguars in a slap fight. Okay. Well, uh, get ready for the slap fight, I guess. Well, then again, we also thought that the Chargers were going to slap the Jaguars. And hey, look who came we're roaring wrong. back. You are wrong. So, yeah. So, LA eliminated, I guess we should say. Yes. Uh, no Los Angeles teams this year. Yep. So, sad. But... Not as sad um, is that, uh, hey, it looks like Major League Baseball is finally going to look into the clusterfuck that is blackouts. What? They never do anything like this. Well, this is a maybe. Let's put this as a solid maybe. <laughs> because I was already considering buying MLB TV this year. Maybe this will change my mind, okay. uh, depending on how this goes. So, Major League Baseball has hired Billy Chambers, a longtime regional sports network executive, to figure out how to work around the local blackout issues. So... So regards to the blackout issues. Yeah, if you're, not, if you're a sports fan, you know about this, but if you're yes. not. If you're not, um, one, what's wrong with you? Two, <laughs> if you're trying to watch a sports game in your local market, yeah. certain deals will have the games blacked out. So you yes. either have to attend the game in person or, or use a VPN to say you're in another place. Or what they really want you to do. Subscribe to the subscribe regional, to the sports, regional network, sports network, which is the only place to watch it. Look at you, Bally's. So for yeah, so for example, uh, here in the Los Angeles market, if we want to watch Dodgers or Angels games, you have to subscribe to the service that has regional those regional games. Everywhere else, including Major League Baseball's software MLB TV, will not show those games because they're wrapped up in that deal. Uh, for those of you who don't do regional sports, it's like when you're trying to watch something streaming. Yeah. Or even something on like ESPN, and it says this game has been blocked out because yeah, TNT has the rights right. to it or something. Yeah, this works. Has the rights. That's the other reason why this happens is because specifically with like a lot of playoff games or cable games like TNT or like things on like ESPN, they will be blocked from those regional networks, and it'll be the opposite where it's like, oh, we can't show this game because Fox is showing it tonight or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's a complicated thing. Hopefully, they figure out a way around it. I understand that a lot of people are just very quick to point out, oh, VPNs are so easy. You can do it so easily. It's not always an option for some people, especially, for example, I don't know, if your computer is also your work computer and you have a job that requires you to have the same consistent IP address or else you get fined, which means you can't (laughs) use a VPN. So if you're in that situation, which I realize is probably not as common, uh, but if you're in that situation, like I am, VPNs are not the solution and you can't just easily do it. So, I don't know. It's it's a complicated thing. Um, hopefully, this conversation with one of these executives maybe will lead to some solutions going forward. I would love a version of MLB TV that I could pay for where I would also get my local team. That would be very convenient and worth every penny. Well, so, it's just like the NFL Sunday ticket where you get every right. game no matter what. I would love that. If they had an equivalent to that for, for baseball, that's all I would not want because I have a little bit of a plan this season is like I'm going to try to absorb some other teams, what's happening at the league. I was actually considering this week, oh, I should I should ask people what the best baseball podcast is because I think I would love like listening to a baseball podcast. Do you listen or do you watch Urinating Tree on YouTube? Urinating Tree? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm just hearing about a urinating tree for the first time today. Oh, uh, yes. What the hell is urinating tree? They do all these great <laughs> baseball write-ups. Oh, and okay. sports write-ups. They're a sports thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've not heard of them until just now. Oh, okay. All right, well, good to know. Yeah. Um, I don't watch they, a lot on YouTube, though. That's my problem. Yeah, well, those are short. They, they do uh, videos okay. on... Um, Why are they... Wrap-up 
What? Wrap up videos. Why are they called that? Uh, I think it's a joke. A joke about what? <laughs> See, like, congrats, Blue Jays. Congrats, uh, uh, Mets, uh, for ending season. That's funny. Yeah. Post, okay. A hater's okay. guide to the postseason. <laughs> Okay, well, seems seems nice, but yeah, I'm thinking about like like maybe getting into a podcast, kind of absorbing more stuff around the league, so that way I can appreciate what happens eventually more in the playoffs. In case the Angels, as they probably won't, um, make I it. mean, we were so into the Angels last yeah. year hey. until they hit that 14 game losing streak hey. that we're like, okay. Apparently, we have some really good prospects. Some some people uh, some. Uh, um, some of our younger players are like being. Oh, they at. say that every year. Yeah, but I feel Since like Mike Trout. So, they've been saying that. But I was paying attention last season too, and I feel like this season's a different energy where it's less of it. Last season, the excitement was all our guys are healthy again. We're gonna we're gonna do really well, and that was true for the first three months. Yeah. This season, the, the energy is different. This season's less about the the uh, the veterans, and it's more about oh, but we have prospects that are really interesting that we didn't have before. So to me, I think the energy going into the season is different. But again, this is not the time we should get yes. into local ball. But but yeah, so this is basically the, the, the lesson here is blackouts, I think, are bad for the game. Because yes. I think they keep local people from being as engaged as they would be if elsewhere, like, uh, like otherwise. I mean, that's always been baseball's yeah. heel. Because I'll be right. I'll, I'll be honest. I live in Long Beach now. It's going to be harder and pro- for me to go to games. Until they move to Long Beach. <laughs> <laughs> asterisk, asterisk, maybe, maybe. Um, and so it's not going to be like last season where I went to like seven games. It's probably going to be like one or two. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, so it's going to be a lot harder for me to be as engaged. So it would be awesome if I could watch all those games from home in a really easy way. Looking at you, Major League Baseball, figure it out. Anyways, anything else in sports before we move out? Uh, yes, the Australia Open is occurring right now. Right. Tennis is happening. Um, that will wrap up next week. But on that note, can you it's been a year since we talked about um, Djokovic's yeah. uh, passport <laughs> um, vaccine thing? I, I believe it. I believe it's that been it's a been a year. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Australia Open currently happening, currently okay. going on. All right. Good to know. All right, let's move on uh, out of sports and into television news. Our first story was breaking yesterday. Uh, Netflix co-founder, and I guess he was CEO, co-CEO. Uh, he was co-CEO. Reed for Hastings. The, past year. Yeah. the Reed Hastings. You're yes, then. that Reed Hastings that we always talk about. Uh, who led, of course, Hollywood charge into streaming first uh, over the past decade, is finally exiting his role as co-CEO, but he will stay on as executive chairman the company said on Thursday. So, basically the Amazon deal. Yeah. As part of the succession, COO Greg Peters will become co-CEO alongside Ted Sarandos, who has held that title since July 2020. In a statement, Hastings said the plan has been in the works for some time since the elevation of Sarandos and Peters two and a half years ago. The company disclosed in a securities filing that Hastings' shift to executive chairman and Peters' promotion to co-CEO were effective as of January 13th, with Peters also set to join the board. In addition with the changes, uh, Hastings will take a significant pay cut from $34.6 million to an estimated three, uh, while Peters will earn an estimated $33.6 million. So yeah, a lot of money comes with the CEO tag. Again, kind of reminds you of what we talked about in the video game section, now, doesn't it? It makes you think, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that he's taking such a cut... Uh, well, 
he's taking the cut because he's getting extra on the stocks. And so. hopefully it also means that he's doing less work because I'm sure he was probably like, I'm done taking the brunt of complaints <laughs> from everybody else. Again, the money people yes. with how I'm running this company. So like a little less stressful for him. Um, but still, let's be real. $3 million salary is still a lot of money. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but just like we saw with Disney, new CEO in town. Yeah. I don't know if this will change much of how Netflix is already going. Uh, the dream scenario here is that maybe with Reed down making less decisions, this will lead to less weird shit happening in Netflix that we've seen over the last couple of years, mm-hmm. including cancellation, premature cancellations and deals going through, like not going through and stuff about the password crackdowns and everything. Or maybe it'll be business as usual. I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, only time will tell. Maybe yeah. they'll get rid of the ad tier. <laughs> I, I doubt it. I, I think do. they're going to keep that there as an option. <laughs> it's only like 2% of their income, though. Yeah, I know. It's dumb. But I think that, yeah, they're just like, they, it's a thing nobody wants to just check off a box for the board, is basically what those things are. All right. Well, speaking of thing nobody wants. Uh, yeah. So we move on to a person's name that I haven't read in a long time. Jeremy Clarkson. You know, Virg- of Top Gear fame. Yeah, you remember Top Gear? <laughs> With, like, people really like Top Gear? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Well, a virtual press conference for Jeremy Clarkson's Amazon Prime video series, Clarkson's Farm, that was going to set play- take place on Tuesday morning, has been called off. In Clarkson's December 16th column, titled, One Day, Harold the Glove Puppet Will Tell the Truth About a Working a wo- Woman Talking B Asterisk KS. What? The former Top Gear presenter, presenter wrote of Meghan Markle. What the hell is this story? Quote, I hate her. Not like I hate Scottish National Party leader Nicola, Nicola Sturgeon or British serial killer Rose West. I hate her on a cellular level. Quote, end quote. He also just suggested that Markle be made to, quote, parade naked, unquote, through Britain while people, quote, throw bumps of excrement at her, end quote, in reference to the Game of Thrones scene. Now, Amazon won't be working with Clarkson after these statements beyond seasons of The Grand Tour and Clarkson's Farm that have already been commissioned. This means that the notorious Top Gear presenter likely won't be appearing in any new shows on Prime Video beyond 2024. He later wrote in his apology that, quote, Usually I read what I've written to someone else before filing, but I was home alone on that fateful day and in a hurry. So when I finished, I just pressed send, and then when the column appeared the next day, the landmine exploded. We should note that this is not uh, close to the first time that Jeremy Clarkson has said controversial things. No, this is part of his (laughs) weekly column that he submits to The Sun, the very controversial newspaper in the UK. Honestly, I don't know. This, I'm guessing it was a slow week. It's pretty slow, Alicia. <laughs> because, yeah, uh, this guy doesn't need us talking about him. Nobody should be talking about this guy anymore. And after <laughs> the end of the, this year or next year, no one will no be talking, one will be talking about, about, him. about him. I don't know what it is in the water over in uh, in the UK, but man, what's up with British people in the last few years? Just what's hate, going on over there? Just people are just showing their true colors. Uh, it's just not. It's not great. It's not great. If you give someone a weekly column, enough time will pass where he doesn't have anything to write about, (laughs) so just spew whatever bullshit comes to his head. Like, say what you will about the royal family, like, whatever. I'm not somebody who's like, oh, they're... You shouldn't, you know, look back to our conversation about the Queen for a, few, a month ago to yes. see how we feel. But, like, you know, whatever. But it's still, like, come on, man. That's some weird shit you just said about Meghan Markle. <laughs> it's like, what the hell are you talking about? I mean, the fact that he didn't even want to edit himself, two, send yeah. someone else to edit, and three, <laughs> had enough time to write it up, 
Send it to uh, to uh, the editor at the Sun. And not reconsider what and he not said. reconsider. Like there's certain steps at that point where you're like, maybe I'm too drunk <laughs> to send this. Yeah, I don't know. This guy is a piece of work, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to hear less about him very soon. Uh, we will all be hearing less about him very soon. But what we'll be hearing a lot more of is HBO's The Last of Us. Okay, so I watched this pilot. We talked about it last week. Yes. How it was coming up. You watched the pilot. So before we go into the show. We should talk about our history with the video game. So 2013's The Last of Us. We both played it, right? Yes. Did we both play it when it came out in 2013? Because I, I played it around the time it launched. I was a day one person for The Last of Us. I was not a day one person for The Last of Us. Okay. I think I was a PlayStation Plus version of it. Okay. Okay. So you waited until the PS4 release probably? Yeah. So about two, two years okay. after. But still fresh. Before, yeah. Before... But I was a Last of Us Part 2, day right. one. So let's leave two over here, because this is that's a whole other can of worms. Yes. Uh, what we're talking about is The Last of Us Part 1, as it's now known. Um, yes. Because the HBO series, which is from the Chernobyl creators, um, is which a... Which was my show of the yeah. year 2020. This is an adaptation of specifically that first game. And, from what I understand, elements of the DLC um, left behind... Uh, I believe is what it's called. Yeah. Uh, as well. So it's those two stories, I guess, are being retold here in prestige HBO form. So back in the day, how did you feel about The Last of Us as a story? Like beyond gameplay and stuff, because right now, basically, we're just talking about story. Did you, were you, did you think that was really like a, it told a good story and in cutscenes so, and stuff? Because I came in late, I've mm-hmm. seen that it already won it all already, the awards and yeah. accolades. I'm like, Okay, how good can this game actually be? Yeah. And because and, this came out in 2010. So at the time, I was like, you know, you know people just like, yeah, but sure, it could be a good game. It's zombies. I don't like zombie games. <laughs> so I'm not interested in playing it. Mm-hmm. When eventually either like discounts or breakdown, or not breakdown, discounts or comes out free PlayStation Plus, then yeah. like, I'll play it then. It was a no rush to play it. Mm-hmm. And then when I played it, I was like, yeah. This is great telling, storytelling. Yeah, uh, Naughty Dog. I mean, as much as I like Naughty Dog from like Crash Bandicoot um, days, mm-hmm. this was their first time doing something completely different. This was right. At, this is well, fresh off of Uncharted. Yes, uh, specifically un- the critically uh, claimed Uncharted Two. Yes, um, and so yeah, people are really high critically on. Uh, and I, I was definitely one of those people. I loved the Uncharted games. That trilogy really blew me away. Uh, and on PS3. And so, yeah, I was very excited for The Last of Us. Right, and so because it was coming off of Uncharted 2, which got all the 10s of 10s, in my mind, it was, mm-hmm. you can't do this back-to-back. It can't be that good. Now you're just praising the studio, yeah, and not right. necessarily the game Especially itself. after 3, because 3 had come out before that as well. And 3 was a little bit of, uh, not not necessarily a letdown. There was a, yes, because it was... Um, 2009 was, was say, 2. Yeah, and then 2010. 2011-ish, maybe 10 or 11, I think, was Uncharted 3. Yeah, but Last of Us was 2010, right? No, Last of Us was 2013. Maybe. Oh, okay. The thing about Last of Us, it was on the cusp of PS3. That's what it was. It was a really late PS3 game. Yeah. The PS4 was going to come out in within, like, four or five months after mm-hmm. um, The Last of Us' release, which is why they did that remastered so quickly. That's right. They got it out of the door pretty years, much immediately yeah. because uh-huh. they had already been working on PS4. It was a little way for, for Naughty Dog to step into PS4 development. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's not neither here Anyways, nor there. Anyways, that's video game talk. <laughs> that's video game talk. But basically, that's set up for 
The Last of Us, the television show, uh, because, well, let's be real. They are just straight up adapting that video game story. And if you've played the original Last of Us, you know that the first 30 minutes of that game tell a very specific, heart-wrenching story. Well, the television show does it all again. You get to relive that wonderful moment. Uh, wonderful is a exactly, strange yes. um, way to put it. Way to put it. Uh, but it did make me cry, even if I knew what was happening. It still yeah. brought tears to my eyes. Didn't get me, maybe because I played that moment three times at least in video game form. Okay. Now. And so it didn't hit me as hard as it did the first couple times. All right. So yeah, I played. I it was expecting the once, way they're going to do it twice, like probably twice yeah. years ago. So yeah, the first thing I want to talk about here is yeah, is how close they are hewing to this video game. Mm-hmm. There are some differences. You get to see a lot more of. Let's say, I'm trying to be spoiler-free here. You get to see a lot more Joel's, of the day-to-day life of yeah. the main character than you did in the video game, especially in that yeah. f- what sets up that first moment. I mean, you they actually get, give him a job, too. Right. You also get to see a different perspective uh, for one of the characters before their untimely fate, which mm-hmm. is if, which was different from the game. That surprised me. And I was like, okay. That being said, though, the thing that blew me away the most was the stuff that was just... The footage from the game. The stuff with the driving. Mm-hmm. Shot for shot, they somehow remade in live action the cinematic from the video game. So, so for that specific shot, yeah, I want to say there's a cut out there that is just the long take of that yes. shot. It's amazing. And it looks fantastic. The whole time I was looking over to, to Christy and I was like, wow, this looks like the most expensive thing I've seen in years. Because mm-hmm. they had to make so much work. Burning buildings, crowd shots, like, they drive by so much shit, which makes sense in a video game, right? Because you imagine it, like, as a set, like, there's not a whole lot going on beyond those set pieces. You're driving past it so quickly. But in a television show, you have to pay all those people. There's probably a, a special effects budget that's huge to make that stuff work. To make that look like a realistic building on fire, for example. And like, and that's just the first 30 minutes of this thing. Yeah, my mind was reeling on like how they made this work. How they did this on a television budget. I mean, yes, it's HBO. They can afford it. But like, I was just like, wow, this is super impressive. Yeah, especially considering that it is a video game adaptation. As we've seen in really recent memory, especially with Naughty Dog property, look yeah. at Uncharted. Yeah. That came out last year. Yeah. How very... Um, how story elements can be very uh, liberal in their retellings, yeah. especially in cinematic format. That the fact that they're doing this in a TV series with HBO money mm-hmm. behind it, that they are painstakingly taking their time and putting everything from the game into the screen. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. So this is probably when we should bring up like. Yes, I know, most of the press about this has been, wow, our video game adaptation's good. And I just want to say right here, they've been good for a hot minute at this point. I feel like that conversation is over. We don't need to say every time something comes out, whether it be The Witcher or Arcane. Like, by this point, we're like, yes, we get it. You can make video game adaptations Mm -hmm. good now. Let's put that conversation to the side. That being said, um, I think it is important to note that, yeah, that, that they are basically taking what was already a pretty good story... Um, and adapting it into a television show. And to me, I'm like, yeah, this is exactly what I expected them to do. If they're working on already such a solid foundation, 
like, of course it's good. And so I'm not surprised that this is as good as it is. I'm just surprised with, how, like, the budget and how much work they've clearly put into this production and making it look as good as it is. That's where I'm surprised. It's like, wow, this just, it looks like a proper HBO production, yep. which is impressive. And the one thing, one change that I do like that they did was that they made it out of, from the video game, which was spores-related yeah. um, airborne event, yeah. to yeah. more of a fungal event. Which, I mean, you already had in the game's fiction that bites do uh, count. Obviously, the yes. whole uh, the plot kind of surrounds a character who has been bitten. Yes. Um, and so it makes sense for them to do that. Speaking of characters, we should talk about the performances here. How do you like everyone's performance so far? Um, Pedro Pascal. Yeah, killing it. Killing I think he's it. great in this. Yes. He's perfect. I was worried about the casting because I feel like people who play the game are so used to that specific performance by, uh, shit, what's his name? Um, video game uh, voice actor extraordinaire. Uh, not Nolan, right? <laughs> no, not Nolan. Nor. The other one. The other one, yes. Anyway, um, I was so used to that delivery, but honestly, yeah, um, I think Pedro Pascal does such a good job here. Uh, Troy Baker. Troy Baker, thank you. Uh, but yeah, I think he does a great job channeling that Joel energy, which is, yeah, he's an all right guy, but when pushed, he's an absolute scumbag. Yes. <laughs> Where he's like, no, nah, I'm not going to help those people. No, no, absolutely not. And so, yeah, already I'm feeling like like he's got this character down pat. I'm a little less solid about um, uh, Bella Ramsey's portrayal of Ellie Probably. here. I think I miss a little bit of the digital Ellie in her performance, but I feel like once it goes on, I think it'll probably get more used to her approach because mm-hmm. she definitely hits the like she hits the the beats that she's supposed to. It's really funny going from uh, Christy and I really like the animated adapt- adaptation of Hilda on Netflix, which she's also. The- the, the, uh, the voice actor for the lead, who is this little British girl. So it was wild going from that to a, to her doing an American accent and saying fuck all the time. It's such a such a dynamic, funny dynamic there. And so Christy literally didn't know it was the same girl until we saw the credits. She was like, wait a minute, that's Bella Ramsey? And I was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. She's doing an American accent here. Wild. She's got range, I guess is what I'm saying. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with the level of performance here, and I'm, I'm excited to see how they do the rest of this game's story. I think that this first episode ends on a pretty good note with making you wonder, okay, what's going to happen? How are they going to get in trouble? Are they going to find Tommy, et cetera, et cetera? See, um, with the end of this, this first episode, it does make me a bit hesitant about where they're going to go next okay. because this is essentially a journey, um, a hero's journey. Yeah. Both, like, within each other, but then also, like, physically right. across America. Correct, yeah. So, you can't have consistent spaces. Yeah. You can't have consistent landmarks. I have been thinking a lot about this, how they're going to move past the video gamey parts of the yes. story. Which is a lot of, oh, uh, what does this mean? What does this mean? I thought the most interesting scene for me in pertaining to that idea was the scene where Ellie comes across a code that she figures out. That's so video gamey. Because my mind immediately went to, oh, that did happen a lot in the video game, right? Where you found a piece of paper and you're like, what does this mean? Yes. They did it in a way, they spun it in a way where it makes sense as a plot point. Mm-hmm. 
and a character moment in a way where you're like, okay, Ellie's really good at solving puzzles. Boom. Yeah. Um, like it was a cool way of interpreting that. But to me, I was like, man, if you didn't play the game, this would work. But if you did play the game, you're like, huh. Huh, okay. <laughs> this is how they're gonna make some of these gamey elements into a television show. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. As the game as the game. As the show goes on and you get into those zones where it's like, oh, they were traveling for a while here before they made it to next landmark. Yes. What happens in that middle episode? Like, or are we just gonna be we're here at yeah. the beginning of the episode because we know what happens next. Will they just be like, oh, we made it? <laughs> right. Like that's a question that's a good question. I don't know how they're gonna do that. Bam. But we shall see we as shall the see. season continues. Yeah, I, I, I'm on on board. This is not something I usually watch, but because I have investment in the story of that video game, I do want to uh, watch the rest of it and see how they do it. So we'll find out when episode two hits a tomorrow. Yep. Um, I mean, so far we've, they've announced a season one. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's going to be a season two. Depends on where they actually wrap up this story. I the thing the only thing that I that, that I've been, I heard somebody say this week which was basically like there's no way they do a second season that's about part two because you can't age everybody up right <laughs> so they have to somehow figure out how to really draw this story out Game of Thrones style beyond the existing lore but you have series creator and co-writer Neil Druckmann there to guide that. As long as he sticks around. And so the question, like, maybe with him there, maybe he'll find out if there are other stories to tell about those characters. Um, yeah, it's going to be different if they do go beyond a season. Yeah. That basically just from the previous, it looks like of uh, that it will, that season one will contain the full story of The Last the of first, Us. Yeah, the game, yeah. So, yeah, what do you do for season two past that? Should you even get that? Do you even want yeah. that? But that's not our problem. That's HBO's. So you guys figure it out. <laughs> All right. But, yeah, so far so good. I uh, really liked what we saw in the first episode. I'm excited to see what they do going on, going forward. Yep. Yeah. Cool. But I watched something else. Yeah. We're, I'm actually curious about this. Christy and I were looking through uh, Peacock last night, and we did stumble upon this show. We were considering watching it, but I watched the trailer and I was like, I don't know about this. Tell me about The Traitors. So, just like you, I was also stumbling around Peacock yeah. to try to find something to watch. I did, We did end up watching something else, which I will talk about later. Okay. Uh, but while we were searching, I came across this. Uh-huh. I was like, ooh, it's a game show, it's a mystery, and it stars Alan Cummings. Right, yeah. I like all those things. Sure. So, I started to check out... The Traitors. Yes. And yes, I have to say it like yeah, that. Did you say it like Alan The Traitors, because yes. that's how Alan Cummings come says it. It's a very <laughs> big place in a Scottish castle, mm-hmm. and it's a murder mystery mm-hmm. where there are three traitors among the group of 20, mm-hmm. and it's a, it becomes Werewolf by Night. Uh, not Werewolf by Night. <laughs> just becomes Werewolf. Sure. Uh, mafia, Werewolf, whichever game you want to point it to. Uh, yeah. Who is the traitor among you? Right. Among us. Uh, uh, more or less, <laughs> yes. Who's the traitor among us? Yeah. Except when they all arrive, no one is clearly designated who the traitor is. Everyone shows up as themselves. Right, right, right. And then Alan Cummings picks who the traitors are going to be in the most elaborate way possible. <laughs> 
Everybody put a blindfold on. I'm going to tap you on the shoulder. <laughs> that is no joke. That is exactly what happens. Heads up, seven up ass. Just low budget. <laughs> yeah. You're a traitor. You're a traitor. And you're a traitor. <laughs> and so, and so there's technically two different um, bootings every every episode. Sure. Eliminations. One, yeah, they're bootings. Because <laughs> one is that they all sit in a circle after they play their games. One is you sit in a circle and you ha- and you as a group must decide one person to boot out. Basically, who was the traitor amongst you? Mm-hmm. And then the second elimination is that the traitors kill someone every night. So two eliminations every week or every episode. It's not weekly because they're all there on Peacock. So it's it's just like that. I mean, I, here's the um, unfortunate thing that just basically spoils the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it spoils it or just makes it different from, like, The Mole, which came out on Netflix. Yeah. In that you know who the traitors are. Oh, right, because you saw the selection process. Yes. So you're, there's no mystery for the viewer to solve. No. Right. You're just watching everyone else solve the mystery. Kind of circle style, where you're just like, oh, well, we know who did this and this, even though it's a mystery to the players. Yeah. We're going to see, the, the fun is, will they figure out and how? Yeah. And that's where it tries to be different. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's different enough, though, mm. because there's always three of them. Yeah. So we, you know that immediately someone's, one, someone's going to be eliminated. Mm-hmm. And two, if there's at least one traitor left by the end, then that traitor or traitors will split the pot. Okay, got it. So how are the actual games? Are they entertaining? Because the trailer made it look very Fear Factor-esque. So uh, there's only one of it that oh, is that's like that. Okay. Actually, I guess technically two because they have uh, one of them where they're buried alive. Yeah, that's the what made me think that. Well, there's also another one which is very Fear Factor esque, which okay. involves bugs and stuff. Uh, but no, most of it is um, thinking, kind of strategy, okay. games, okay. a little, little bit of physical challenges as well. Uh, nothing too um, demanding. Yeah, uh, I think. One of the interesting things that they do is that it's a cast of 20, but it's 10 celebrities and 10 regular people. Oh, uh, okay. Although I will use the term celebrity, celebrity very use loosely here. <laughs> because I have someone from Below Deck oh, on wow. it, okay, which well, I don't watch. Yeah. Uh, but they did have um, U.S. gold medal winning Ryan Lochte. <laughs> sure. So, okay. like I said, your level of celebrity will vary <laughs> between those two. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no one like clearly standout-ish. Um, yeah. Unless you watch Big Brother. Then there's someone from Big Brother on there. Oh, well, yeah. That Although, seems to be the case on all of these reality shows. Well, you know, when Big Brother has 25 seasons, right, you're, you're going to have a lot of contestants <laughs> yeah. to choose from. All right. Well, then, this is a good segue. Well, then, how does your experience with the traders compare with the recently wrapped up the circle. Oh yeah, I forgot to put that on here. Yeah, we can, we don't have to go into depth. We can just kind of give our vague thoughts about this season. I really enjoyed this season. I think that it wrapped up in a really good note. Uh, the person who should have won won. Yes. And um, won for the right reasons too. I felt like I was like, oh okay, this could have gone way worse than it actually did, and uh, pleasantly surprised. I thought it was a very entertaining season overall, and I think. Um, 
yeah, I think it had higher highs and lower uh, higher highs than last season, despite the absence of any um, big celebrities this season. They didn't pull the celebrity card this season. Yeah, they did. I mean, they pulled a circle celebrity, I guess you could say. But not really like they didn't seem like they weren't interested in the celebrity cameo shit that they've done the last couple of times. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I had a good time. Uh, how'd you feel about the, the how the season wrapped up? Uh, there weren't as many twists and turns as in previous seasons. I disagree. I felt like there was a lot of drama, especially after the, like, in the second half of the season. It was just like, yes. shit was popping off every episode. Yes, but you see, like, with the previous seasons, um, I always reference that the, the producers are just making it up as they go. Yeah. This season didn't feel as much like that. It felt more like... We have a formula now, so we're going to use what we know. I did think that there was planting some seeds, though, from the producers that did end up blossoming. I do think that the, I mean, let's you can go into spoilers now that it's over. Uh, So if you haven't watched the Circle this season, the Circle, and you don't want spoilers, please fast forward. This is your spoiler warning. This is your spoiler warning. But um, but yeah, I felt like the whole like. The Marvin shit was a setup. <laughs> yes. Because that, I, I thought that, oh yeah, he won the, the clay uh, the clay sculpture game, right? Yeah. And the reward was going to be a date with another player. They didn't let him choose. They chose for him. To me, that was like, oh, obviously they're trying to get him in trouble. Well, wasn't it a date <laughs> with a new player? Ex- exactly. But they knew that the either way, one of the new players was a woman that Marvin was going to flirt with. Yes. It was a setup, and yeah. he fell for it. And it set up all the drama that led to him getting eliminated. The other thing that felt like bait to me was the whole, like, oh, well, we're going to bring Shuby back, and we're going to make him do a character that he's not going to play well, yes. and he's going to try to, like... And so the whole, like, fake-ass revolution thing he did, that literally didn't matter... Mm-hmm got into the minds of the other players where they thought it did matter, and then sets up the finale, essentially. Everything that happens after uh, his elimination, like, changed the entire dynamic of how everybody got along. Yeah, but see, they did the (laughs) same thing um, in the beginning of the season where they immediately eliminate two people, but they don't eliminate two people. So what I'm saying is I disagree with what you said, which is, no, the producer's really changed how the dynamic of, like, I, I felt their hands in this season probably more so than last season, in my opinion. Where it's like, oh, no, clearly the decisions that they made, the setups that they made actually did pay off and created a lot more drama than needed to happen, that would have happened elsewhere, like, like otherwise. No, I think the drama still would have happened even uh, without that. Not to this degree. I don't know. Regardless, it made for entertaining television. Yeah, well... T- there was no, I mean, unless you count Jennifer as the straight-up <laughs> villain of the season. Yeah, they. Did, she was the villain that nobody knew was the villain yes. until towards the end where you had a couple of players figure it out. But you're more or less right. There was there was nobody that, that was easy to hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only player that I would say that did badly was eliminated in, like, the fourth episode, the, the guy who was playing his the daughter. The daughter, yeah. Like, the only person who was bad at the game was... <laughs> Eliminated. Yes. So yeah, you're right. Everybody was pretty strong, which is why I think you did have to have some manipulation happening. Because otherwise, I think everybody would have just gotten along pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want that. 
Well, no, but that's how you win the game. You have right. to get along with everyone. Yeah. Anyways, I yeah, I thought it was a good time. I really liked the reveals in the last couple episodes. It was fun. It was it was a lot of fun to watch everybody figure out stuff yes. that you knew about. And I was like, okay, all right. It worked for me. It worked for me. Circle remains a ridiculously entertaining uh, reality show just because of the bullshit it puts you through. Yes. Welcome to the love of the circle. The love-hate yeah, of the circle. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> that show is ridiculous, but it's fun. Yes. Anyway, right. any other television we should talk about? Uh, nothing else? Celebrity Jeopardy? Continuing? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it'll be an interesting next round of that, for sure. Yeah, uh, the next round are the semifinals. Yeah. Um, which is two games, or sorry, three games of semifinals, and then you have the finale, uh, which so that'll take us into February. Yeah. Which will be a really fun game between Patton Oswalt, Michael Sarah, and Brendan Hunter, which I'm waiting for. That'll be really fun. <laughs> They're both ridiculous person, all three ridiculous personalities. Yes. So excited to see how that pans out. <laughs> uh, other than that, um, no, just watching a lot of football this weekend. Yeah. It's well, yeah, football divisional up. next weekend is the conference, and then we'll have our whoever will be in the Super Bowl after that. All right, so we'll see. Let's move on out of television then and to cancellations and renewals what am i no longer watching i don't know because i'm really confused with what's happening on the oh, screen because i forgot here. to write it down. you forgot to write them down so we're gonna start with chucky here all right so chucky on sci-fi has been renewed for a third season alongside another uh sci-fi show reginald the vampire renewed for a second season yeah okay sci-fi good job chucky for three seasons yeah 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 and then going up from here yeah hulu has renewed shorezy for a second season i don't know what that is uh, i want to say it's a jersey shore ripoff but i cannot uh, be certain i don't know selling the oc one of the many selling uh shows on the on netflix yes. has been renewed for two additional seasons so that'll go to its third, third season. season seal team on paramount plus has been renewed for seventh season well done see that they're they're counting when it was on cbs i imagine yeah yes. that's why BMF on Stars has been renewed for a third season. HBO Max's reboot of Gossip Girl will end after two seasons. It has been canceled. The current second season, which is running right now, yep. will be its last. Uh, yep, they've gossiped them out. They gossiped them out. Outlander on Stars has been renewed for an eighth and final season ahead of its seventh season, which will premiere this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, though, there will be a spinoff prequel series called Outlander Blood of My Blood that will premiere later. There you go. Okay. More Outlander. More, More Outlander. If you're well, it's prequel kind of Outlander now. Yes. Next up, Cobra Kai, now on Netflix, has been renewed for a sixth and final season. So that story will wrap up. Yep. But the biggest cancellation of the week. NCIS Los Angeles, specifically the Los Angeles version of NCIS, canceled after 14 seasons. Its series finale will air this May on May 14th. Has not been picked up. No. Officially That's done. That's it. One of the mini <clears throat> NCISs is gone. Uh, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, they still have a New Orleans out there, I think, and I think, Las yeah. Vegas. Scott Bakula still has a job, so there you go. I don't know. That was one of my favorite uh, like bar trivia questions. Yeah. Which one of these NCIS places <laughs> doesn't exist? Right. Or, it's hard. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to answer that. Yeah. So there you go. Those are your cancellations and renewals. Um, oh, I guess we can go to deaths. Yeah, let's move on to deaths. We had uh, at least one real rough one this week. Uh, let's just scroll, scroll, scroll. Uh, since here. So, let's go. 
see. Oh, sorry, sorry, 14th. 14th. Uh, let's see if anybody's, uh, if we recognize anybody right away here on this list. Uh, uh, we had uh, Brian Tufano, the cinematographer, right. age 83, yes. for Train Spotting. Yep. Billy Elliott, as well as Shallow Grave. All right, so that's one for that day. Let's move on. To the 15th. I don't recognize any names here. It's 16th. No, you want to get to... Um, oh, Bro and uh, uh, Frank Thomas, uh, uh, baseball player, uh, age 93. Yeah, uh, Frank Thomas. Yeah, way down there at the bottom there. Yep. That, that uh, um, yeah. Yep. Important in the, the annals of baseball history. Yep, uh, played for the Pirates, the yep. Mets, and the Cubs. Who else did we have? Well, let's move on. Uh, ba, 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 ba. This is great audio. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, this is why I typically write it down. Yeah, like, hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Maybe we should. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna come back make to sure this. We, uh, uh, Jay Briscoe for WWE. Uh, that right, was a Traffic yes. Collision, age thirty-eight. Yes, that was I did also hear earlier. about that one. Uh, uh, then the the, the biggest uh, one this week, uh, David Crosby. Yes, one third of course, or one fourth of course. Uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, um, a rock and roll uh, legend. Uh, lasted a long time. Was also a very entertaining uh, Twitter presence. He was actually sure very is. active on Twitter and would uh, respond to people if they tweeted at him. Uh, did a lot of interviews and, of course, is a uh, Hall, rock and roll Hall of Fame member. Um, yeah, you saw a lot of people, including Neil Young, uh, yep. shout out him this week about his legacy. Definitely will be missed. Definitely a, a icon of rock for a very long time, for multiple decades. Age 81. Yeah, he was the big one yeah, this yeah. week. All right, we can probably move on then. Yep. Uh, we can kind of clean up next week if we missed anybody. Yep, so let's for go now, right into uh, the movie section. Yes, let's wrap the show up by hitting the last section here, which is movies. Wait, I think I might have not done this one too. All right, wow, slacking. Yes. Even slacking off. It's okay. I don't think anything changed, though. No, I don't think so, because your big premiere uh, just hit the bottom of our top five. So your number one movie is still Avatar, The Way of Water. That's at $32 million uh, this week. And total gross, is that domestic? Yes. Okay, it's $564 million. Domestic, yep. Domestic. Megan in 3 Gen is uh, with another $18 million this week. That puts it at 56 Puss in Boots, The Last Wish is your number three with $14 million this week. That's at 107, so that crossed the 100 mark. That's a, that one is actually up from last week. Wow, okay. Congratulations to Puss in Boots. Number four, A Man Called Otto, another $12 million. That's at 19 this week. And then, like I said, entering your top five, premiering into your top five with $10 million is Plane. Plane. The plane has landed, and it's landed at $10 million. Gerard Butler's Plane. So there you go. In case you're wondering about your other uh, uh, debut this week, House Party, that's at number six, just edged out of the top five at $3 million. Well, I would say it's just edged out. There's a gap between yeah, there $3 million a $7 and million, $10 million. $7 million gap there. But, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, man. Your limited release, Skinamarink, is way down there, too. <laughs> yes. I can't wait to say more. Skinamarink. Anyway, let's move on to upcoming releases. This week, you have one movie, which we mentioned last week, which is... Our, our, Wait, no, we talked about Missing last week. Yes, um, that's, that's, this, that's currently out in theaters right, right now. So this week is two movies. We have Distant and Fear. I don't know what either of these are. Uh, neither do I. They just have <laughs> wide releases. All right, well, that's fine. 
We don't need to talk about distant or fear. Yep. I'm assuming with a name like fear, it's a horror movie. Yep, I'm yep. correct. And then the name distant is a uh, uh, comedy sci-fi drama. Anthony Ramos. Okay. And, and Zachary Quinto. Scott. Okay, sure. I don't know what that is, but it's out, th- it's out this week. Apparently also is um, Infinity Pool starring a horror, it's a horror right. movie with yes. Alexander Skarsgård. Yes, that is also this week. All right, let's move on. Because I have no idea. I guess there's an asteroid miner. Yep. So it's their Armageddon too. Yes. All right, let's move on to our stories in the movies world this week. We start with Regal Cinemas, who has uh, fallen on some hard times. The second largest chain of movie theaters in the U.S. will now close 39 locations after its parent, co- parent company, Cineworld, filed for bankruptcy back in September. We actually covered that story. Yep. Cineworld will reject the leases beginning February 15th. Amid a massive decline in the domestic box office during the COVID-19 pandemic, the monthly rent per theater increased by nearly 30% from 2019 to 2022. That's according to their latest bankruptcy filing. Quote, in total, the debtors estimate that rejecting the leases will save their estates approximately $22 million annually. That's according to their document. Any personal property of little value remaining at the locations will be abandoned. So if your local Regal shuts down, this is why. So AMC will now probably uh, just steamroll uh, there are, forward. Or Elmo Draft House. Yeah. There are 33 um, theaters in total across the U.S. Two of them are local to us. Wow, they're getting shut down? Uh, one is in the Yorba Linda, which opened up two years ago. Wow, damn. Um, sorry, three years ago at the start of 2020, and then 2020 happened, so mm-hmm. they're going to easily default on that. Where's lease. the other one? Uh, by South Coast Plaza. Really? Okay. Yes. That's a surprise. Also, note the date. February 15th is when all yeah. the leases will be rejected and terminated. Got it. That is the weekend before Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Oof. comes out. Oh, that's rough. So, go see that at an AMC theater, I guess. So, if you happen to have... Um, pre-purchased any tickets for that <laughs> please check with get real to get a refund see if you can get a refund for that one yes or go two cities away to go see a, another one i almost had that happen Oof. with me yikes but this is also why i strongly urge not to pre-purchase tickets. right just don't do that yes just don't do that all right let's move on to our second story here um, which is about comedy staple charlie day well it's also crossed because sundance is currently happening the film that festival is true So, Roadside Attractions, Grindstone Entertainment, and Lionsgate have picked up North American distribution for Charlie Day's featured directorial debut, Fool's Paradise. That's right. That Charlie Day wrote and directed a film. Wow. Fool's Paradise is a satirical comedy following a down-on-his-luck publicist, played by Ken Jeong, who gets his lucky break when he discovers a man recently released from a mental health facility, played by Charlie Day, looks just like a method actor who refuses to leave his trailer. With the help of a powerful producer, the, Ra- the late Ray Liotta, Ken helps the man become a huge star, uh, even marrying his beautiful leading lady, Kate Beckinsale. Their adventures lead them to cross paths with a myriad of celebrity co-stars, Adrian Brody, Common, Jason Sudeikis, A.D. Falco, and John Malkovich. Wow, what a cast. Uh, yeah, I don't know, it seems weird. but uh, sure. I mean, weird concept considering mental health, but yeah, 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 also... Yeah. Um, probably got picked up because of Charlie all this. Well, one Charlie well, Day, but yeah. also all the stars in this. Yeah, I imagine this was an easy pick uh, for distribution here from Lionsgate. So yeah, yeah. Uh, sure, why not? Charlie yep. Day is just continuing to his multi hyphenate career. Why not? Yep. Uh, Roadside Attractions and Grindstone Entertainment will be 
um, helping with the theatrical release, whereas Lionsgate will get the yes. streaming release. All right. We'll see. All right. Yep. So I think last time we talked about Sundance, it was for Palm Springs that we were yeah, talking about. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, that worked out for Palm Springs. Yeah. So. so probably Fool's Paradise on Hulu later yeah, this year. Maybe so. All right, let's move on to the last thing, piece of the puzzle here. The last thing we'll talk about today. You watched a film, a film from last year that is now on Peacock for streaming. Yes, speaking of Paradise. Yes, you got... Tickets to Paradise. Ticket, I believe. It's just Ticket, singular, to is, Paradise. Is it Tickets? I think it's Ticket to Paradise. Is, are there two Tickets to Paradise? I mean, in the song, yes. But Eddie Money's not here. George Clooney is. Tell me yes. about Ticket to Paradise. Yes, George Clooney and Julia Roberts star in, in the yes. romantic comedy Ticket to Paradise, uh-huh. uh, where their daughter, who recently graduated from law school, mm-hmm. takes her month-long vacation, duly noted because she graduated from law school, <laughs> and has an uh, internship and job already lined up in Chicago to Bali for a month okay. to blow off steam, where she meets and is betrothed to one of the people there who runs a seaweed fishing company. Uh-huh. So her parents, who are divorced, both George Clooney and... Uh, you just said. Yes. Not Sandra Bullock. I don't know why that comes to my mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come go to Bali to try and break them up. Right. They come together to break them up. And thus... The comedy ensues. Yes. Is this all right? I remember thinking the trailers were kind of funny, but not funny enough for me to actually want to spend money on seeing this in the theater. Was this a worthwhile time on streaming? Oddly enough, I don't know if it's because of just the chemistry that George Clooney has. Mm -hmm. um, Just on-screen personality. Sure. But I had a smile on my face the whole time watching it. Okay. It's it's a actually a good movie. I mean, I'm kind of glad I didn't spend money to go watch it in theaters. Sure. Might have had a different experience with it. But, you know, having a date night at home that you can put this on and, like, cuddle up and watch it and just kind of laugh with it and be lovey with it. Because it is a love story, after all. Not just a love story right. of the soon-to-be lawyer who, by the way, does not end up going back to being a lawyer. Just <laughs> ends up being uh, married here. Right, right. Um, and the parents, um, divorced parents, wanting to uh, rekindling their love, yeah. coming back together. It's it just puts a smile on your face. It's a happy, Aww. good, lucky, feel good movie that. Well, I mean, being in the Bali setting, I mean, it wasn't actually Bali; it was Hawaii. But same thing, <laughs> being in a tropical yeah. setting just keeps putting a smile on your face. The shenanigans that they get into, it's. It's a fine date night film. Right. Grab some popcorn, cuddle up in a blanket, and watch it with um, your significant other. It's just a feel-good film that's like, huh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> but also like, huh, they're kind of in love. Uh, the, the beats are very note for note and road for rote. Okay. But overall, it's a fine film. I'm glad I didn't spend money on it. But it's on Peacock. <laughs> we have Peacock, so... Yeah, yeah. It's worth at least checking out on Peacock. Fair enough. Okay. And I'll so say Peacock a, just one more time. It's Peacock. And solid stream it. So it's definitely like. a solid stream it. All right, cool. And I figured that's what it was when I saw the, the trailer for yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah. Happy to say that it is indeed a good streaming uh, film. All right. Fair enough. Well, I didn't watch any movies, so that 
I guess we'll do it for the movie section here on the Media Vote Podcast. And that'll do it for this week's episode. Hey, we didn't hit two hours. I told you we wouldn't. Thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back next week for another episode. If you want to see that in video form, check out our YouTube channel. Go to uh, YouTube and search Media Vote Podcast. You'll find our channel. We have archives of our previous live shows, as well as uh, some bonus stuff if you dig deep enough. Um, you can also click on the bell to go to see when we go live, get notifications when we go live, say, like next week, when we do another live show on Saturdays. If you would la- rather listen in audio form on your podcast service of choice, search Media Vote Podcast on all sorts of places like Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Search us, and that's also where you can find bonus episodes like Year End Wrap Up, and our March Madness series. You can also find us on social media, where we're at MediaVoteCast on on Twitter, and MediaVotePodcast, search that in Facebook, and you'll find our page there, too. You can also find our archive on MediaVotePodcast.com. You can also see write-ups of thoughts. You have a story up about Pressure Cooker, the Netflix reality show about cooking, up on the website now if you want to read more about that. We'll have more thoughts coming in the future as well, so stay tuned. You can also email us if you have questions, comments, thoughts about the show, feedback for us. If you email us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com, you might even have your question read on the air on the podcast, so do so. So email us, mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. Last but not least, we stream video games on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash mediaboat is where you'll go for that. This past week, we had... uh, uh, Mike jumped on and played some Melody of Memory, played some Disney songs for you live. Yep. You can see random streams like that um, anytime. Uh, we'll have more coming, I'm sure, on the way, so stay tuned. And that will do it. Thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back next week for more thoughts about all sorts of things, more news about all sorts of things. You name it, we got it for you. Tune in. Yep, we'll be back next week with more news, more thoughts, Who's going to be in the uh, NFL championship game? We'll find out. And more of us. All right. Stay tuned. See you guys next time. Okay. Bye. Bye.